Dudes and dudettes, welcome back to the only podcast produced by three winners of IMSA's Spirit of the Race Award. You're tuned in to the Check Engine Podcast, streaming through Anchor.fm or anywhere else podcasts are streamed for that matter. My name is Nick. With me as always, my two co-hosts, Andrew and Tristan. I'm going to start with Tristan today. What's up, man? Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday to you. Happy, like, second or first and a half day it tried to be spring. Um and that trying is the critical word there. It's it's terrible. I was so excited. Um, <laughs> like a couple days ago, I was touching forty. Got to finally go get my car washed so my, I can I can describe the car my vehicle color as like my chocolate brown and not just salt. <laughs> and then what color is your car? Salt. salt. And then this morning, five a.m. woke up, snowplows <laughs> rolling through the complex. It's like God damn it, so close. It's trying. It's so trying. close. Andrew, what's your opinion on the weather? Um, well, being a homeowner, you know, last night was the first night that we actually had water coming into our basement. Ooh. But, well, we got the freeze and then the thaw and then the freeze and then it rained, like poured out in Waukesha. It did. Yesterday. So, yeah. I mean, hey, if that's what it takes, if uh, historically high amounts of ice and frozen ground and then a bunch of rain is what it takes, I think we're doing okay. But... Got to do relandscaping. This is also my least favorite day every single year. This is stupid daylight savings day. Yeah. Yeah. So I hate every single one of you who loves this time. The, the spring. The I don't think anybody likes time. losing an hour. But here's the everyone's like, oh, but it'll be lighter whenever it's lighter. I don't know. When is it lighter now? Who cares? At lighter? In the, in the mornings? Is it lighter in the mornings? Lighter at night? Who cares? I don't care. I hate all of you. <laughs> wow thank you well nick thank you very much um yeah we're not pros <laughs> there it but is. uh <laughs> it's spicy march <laughs> but you're listening anyway and we thank you for that but we don't want you just to listen we want you to talk with us we want you to come at us with stuff opinions do you like it do you not like it you can start at checkenginepodcast.com that's right even though we're not pros we do have our own website and we have an email there that you can reach us at inbox at checkenginepodcast.com uh, the website also has a blog page and it has links to our episodes links to our socials so it's a kind of it's a it's a good little home base to get you started with us so check it out checkenginepodcast.com Andrew, this episode is kind of like a continuation of what we did last week, but uh, let, let's just tee it up for the listeners, will we? Yeah, so last week, two weeks ago, Tristan mocked me for finding the word iconic uh, problematic, and then I spat it in his face last week. <laughs> did he, though? <laughs> no, but basically what I said is we need to, Check Engine Podcast, we need to determine the most iconic car of all time. And on our episode last week, we determined that the number one most important factor for a car that is an icon, it must have a story. That's what we did. A good story, not a just good a story. story. Right, a good story. Along with some other factors. But uh, what we did from there is pick 16 cars that we considered the most iconic. And now we're going to bracket them. We're going we're gonna to go through every matchup. It's going to be a, just a straight vote. And we are going to find the most iconic car of all time. This is March Madness Survive in Advance mm -hmm. at its finest. <laughs> Can we say that? Yeah. 
I thought that was like it was trademark protected or something. Was it? Damn yeah. it! Oh crap! I have to bleep that out later. <laughs> this is boop. <laughs> Survive in advance. Exactly. That, yep. that part is is trademarked. Yes. Yeah. Survive in advance. No, no, the other part, the MM part. This is spicy March survival mode. No, it's not. Yes, it is. (laughs) Name of the episode. Got it. But it's not like Super Bowl where we could literally just get demonetized for saying that. Well, that's why you just put the B from the to the other word. So it's superb owl. (laughs) Superb owl. (laughs) I like that. I'm gonna do that. Which be very careful that doesn't turn into Super Bowl. There's also that. <laughs> oh, man. Can we get into the episode now? I guess. Um, now, as you may have already heard or watched or seen or whatever, we have moved most of our pace laps to a video session on Facebook and YouTube and stuff. So we're still going to have pace laps. There's going to be much shorter before we dig into the meat and potatoes of this episode. So quick pace laps. Um, Andrew, I think you had one about Vauxhall. I do. I have a very interesting one about Opal and Vauxhall, a company that used to be under the tutelage. Do we want to say the tutelage? Would you would you really call it that? I wouldn't personally. Giving this story, would you really call it? I would not. Um, However, oppression. Opal and Vauxhall (laughs) were. I think they were fully bought by GM about twenty years ago, right? Yep. Uh, And GM used them to basically chassis engineer all of the cars that went to Saturn and all the cars that were Buicks and, you know, the stuff like the Equinox started all as, all as Opals. This year they sold them. They sold them to PSA specifically. Um, Peugeot for anyone who cares. However, here's the important piece. After 20 years under GM, Opal turned their first profit in the first year they were independent (laughs) to the tune (laughs) Of $859 million. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, God. I got that wrong. Million euros. $979 million. Whoa. Uh, one year. One effing year. One year. One year on its... Well, it's not on its own. It's under Peugeot, but... Right. Maybe Peugeot gives them a little more freedom than GM did. Well... We were talking about this off air. Maybe... They had that kind of profit, but it was just kind of tied into GM's overall numbers. It was, is it an accounting thing where the dollars actually drop on the paper? Or could it be that a lot of this money, a lot of this, you know, pure profit money came from GM cutting them loose and being like, oh, shit, what are we going to do for Buick now? We just need to buy everything from them. So that could all be GM money or a, a good portion. Or, of or licensing fees or right, whatever. Exactly. Yeah. We, yeah, we don't know exactly where the money came from because that is crazy to turn in just one year. In one year? It's on your insane. own, technically, on your own is yeah. nuts. It's so it's so crazy, especially after 20. You know what I mean? When you look at... Um, Did they say how many of those 20 were at a loss? They didn't actually. This is just a pretty brief report, but I'm I know just, a lot of them were at least towards the end. I'm just thinking of um, well, in compared to 204 million for 204 million loss for the last five months of 17. Jesus. <laughs> okay. All right. So uh, this is a huge turnaround, a massive turnaround. That's a miracle. <laughs> that is a miracle. Um, yeah. I mean, it is deeply impressive and. It's going to be interesting to see what happens specifically because all of those, not all the cars they make, but a lot of the cars they make are here as Buick. And we know Buick isn't doing well with the same cars. Mm-hmm. Weird. Weird. In just a different market. Mm-hmm. 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 I mean, yeah. So 
Interesting stuff. Let's hope they can keep it up. Because yeah. they, go Vauxhall, go Opal, go. They've made some pretty cool stuff. They have in the past. Was it Opal that made the Astra? Yep. It was. Yep. Yeah, that was a good car. Gran Turismo. And the VXR, <laughs> that little... Yes. Uh, yeah, that little mid-engine thing. Yep. That's pretty cool. Absolutely. All right. Next, um, well, we should talk about the fact that this weekend, as we're recording this, marks one year since episode one of the Check Engine podcast was released. One whole year. We actually made it. Cheers, boys. We made it a calendar (laughs) year, and we're actually still doing this and gaining momentum. Um, Do we we got stats for the year? Does, Does someone pulled that up? I'd, we don't have for the year so far. I mean, well, oh, right, for our total for, year. For our, right. th- for our calendar 365 year. Uh, Tristan, do you have it up? Otherwise, uh, I'll I in just don't, a second. Other than, I mean, you did mention yeah, earlier. So we have, right now, in a year, we've just crested 6.1 thousand total listens. Christ. 6.1 Jesus, crazy. Uh, and 146 average plays per episode. So Yeah, and as we discussed, I think, a couple episodes ago, the exponentially greatest portion of those listens came... Since we came back this new year. Yeah, definitely true. I mean, yeah, it's been at least a we thousand a We took away the supply, we increased the demand. And it's been at least a thousand a month. Yeah, since, yeah, in this first year. Mm-hmm. Or this... In the second year, yeah. Second... In, in 18. In, in 19. Man, 19. we were bad at this. Oh, Not pros. <laughs> <laughs> and yet we have 6,000 listens and 146 <laughs> listens per episode in the first year. So, hey. That's pretty damn impressive, I would say. I'm happy. I'm very um, happy with that. We've said it before. We said it. We'll, you hear it from us again. We started literally at zero. No financial backing. No <laughs> one to bump us. No one like it's. It was just us three at a kitchen table yeah. with a pink, like fifteen dollar Amazon microphone. It was Twelve dollars. Oh, the black one was fifteen. That's so I right. saved three bucks. <laughs> um, so <laughs> <laughs> Gotta save that money. What a long ways we've come from my kitchen table to a card table in my spare bedroom. Hey. It's got to be like 15 feet. Yeah, definitely. Uh, We're moving. Plus, you know, some other stuff is going to change. And uh, yeah, I mean, we're ready for a whole new phase even, which is crazy. Right. So last thing before we get into this episode, it involves how we started last week. Um, We've got a listener, Jeff, who was, um, he came at us because he thought that we missed, we missed an icon in our, in our bracket. Okay. And he reached out and he told me that, you know, I, I, I don't necessarily agree. Could you explain why? And he sent back a novel explaining why I'm not going to get into all of it, but Jeff, we appreciate you listening. We appreciate your passion for this. And we're going to bring up your suggestion and toss it around the room real quick. So he said that no iconic list would be complete without Duesenberg. Here's why. Okay. <laughs> Here, here's why. He actually, the, defini- the definition of iconic is someone or something that is a representation of something else. An example of iconic is the Eiffel Tower being a symbol of Paris. Duesenberg represents engineering excellence, speed, reliability, beauty, and luxury. Have you ever heard the phrase, it's a doozy? I've never heard of Duesenberg. Have you, have you, heard, the fr- have you heard the phrase, it's a doozy? Uh, yes, I have. It came from Duesenberg. I'd need to see sources on that, frankly. Has a Ford, Chevy, Buick, Dodge, etc. Not just an engine, but an actual vehicle ever won the Indy 500 or a Grand Prix race? No, but a Duesenberg has. 
Eddie Rickenbacker, fighter, pilot, and racer, drove a Duesenberg to a top 10 finish in IMS. Duesenberg set a land speed record of 156 miles per hour at Daytona in 1920. First American to win the French Grand Prix at Le Mans, Jimmy Murphy, in a Duesenberg. It won the Indy 500 three times in the 20s. Let's see here. What else did he say here? It lasted for a 24-hour endurance test first time out, able to make it average out at a top speed of 100, at a speed of 135 mile an hour average in a 24-hour period. Um, he's he puts together a pretty he puts together a lot of stats for us here. Sorry, I was just I was just double checking the claim of that doozy thing. OED, early 20th century of unknown origin. Well, it's the OED. <laughs> they know where all the words come from. <laughs> no, that is funny though, um, because because the so com- for- the common spelling there is not D U Z E Y as in Duesenberg. It's D O O Z Y. Yeah. Well, and, and the known as you know doozy like the link that I found for it actually had a D U E S Y. Yep, which is short for Duesenberg. Yeah, D- that one is D U E S Y. Oh, see, yeah. I've never even heard it like that. Anyways, um. That's all really cool. Now, buy me a Duesenberg. They're out there. I'm sure they are. Can you buy a new one? Can you buy a new GT40? I mean, that that's not really a <laughs> argument. But it is, though. But it is, though. Because what we're talking about now is beyond the scope of one car. I mean, there isn't even... A buy Duesen- me a new F40. There isn't even a Duesenberg model number listed in any of that. Oh, yeah, I just skipped over it. But what I'm saying is we're talking about a brand, which we can have an icon. We can have Model an J, SJ. Um, Model J seems to be the, the most famous one. Never heard of it. Um, he's got pictures here of Duesenbergs. That looks like a car. <laughs> I, I don't know. The pipes coming out the side actually look kind of badass. Yeah. The, yeah, and it's, you know, trying to look more into the, the doozy thing. Merriam-Webster also actively completely rejects any attribution to the automobile. Huh. The first known use of that phrase is 1916, four years before the production of the first car. Interesting. So, I mean, you know, it might, it might have spread it around. Well, it, but, could, it could be both. Know, it could be both hands, definitely. It, it existed, and then the, the association of those two spread it. I don't know. But here's what, here's what I think is interesting, though. I, the, when I made that list, there was one Duesenberg on there. Who knows what it was? I certainly don't remember. But I just rejected it off the, off the rip because those cars don't mean anything to me. They don't connect with anything in my automotive experience. Similar to the Model T, however, intrinsically, I understand how the Model T shaped production going forward. Right. That's something that, you know, when we're talking about fan reaction, I got a relatively relatively strong discussion um, with the, about the Model T with my father. That's what I thought. Um, uh, who, <laughs> like, you know, was like, you have to realize it's, you know, it's this, it's that, and it's, I, I do. You know, but you know, we were having a discussion about you know, would you recognize one? And then he said, you know, you grew up right across the street from one. Wait, that was a Model A. And I, <laughs> which, you know, like, I don't want to make fun of him on the air. I, I get it, but like, you know, no, you no, know, that's but, I'm only laughing because I would do the exact right. That's same what I'm thing. saying. Like, I had no idea what that. I knew it was a Ford. I was watching an abandoned video on YouTube, one of my favorite pastimes, and they were walking through this old hotel, and there was a Ford sitting there, and I went, "Look, it's a Ford." 
I didn't know which one. It was oh, a yeah. model something truck, but I don't know which one. And I think that's, you know, the story is the only important part about the Model T. Right. I think when we look at Iconic, we look at the story and the impact and the recognition and stuff like that. Well, and as and as uh, modern biased as it can make certain arguments, yeah. you also have to consider longevity. Duesenberg now is a punchline. I mean, when you when you I wouldn't say it's a it's not oh, around. I, abso- I, I absolutely would. Why? Because for the very reason that on all of those lists I look at, only only one Duesenberg appeared in all ten of them. There's yes, Duesenberg was around and they did some stuff, and now they're gone, and the memory of what they did is also gone. You know what I mean? I mean, they, they were fantastic engineers, the two Duesenberg brothers, I believe. They were fantastic engineers, but they were horrendous business people and marketers. And I think that's, you know, when you talk about iconic, you can talk about important, you can talk about interesting. You know, for some people, there may be a lot of interest there, but I think... Well, I think there is. I didn't know anything know, about right, this. Right, I think it falls short of iconic, though. I'll, I'll probably read the Wikipedia article, but even when I do, and, and again, I could totally be off here... I don't think it'll change my opinion. It's sort of the same argument. This is the same argument you have to make about Hudson. Yep. And about, I'm just trying to think of another example of a name that has great clout. You know, for example, the Hudson Hornet appeared on more lists, way more lists than any Duesenberg. Right. Yeah. I mean, that made it into popular culture. So popular. Cars. Yeah. Yeah, The Cars movie. Disney car movie. Cars movie. Yeah. It's, it's, I don't know. I really don't. The only... The only thing I will say about it is I totally understand why with all of that stuff that I knew nothing about, there is definitely an argument to be made for the brand Duesenberg to be an American icon. But even that isn't what we're talking about. We're talking about in all of car history, where our search, my personal search and ours with this bracket is to find the single most iconic car ever. Right. And we're, you know, we're going to, you know, cheat a little bit by narrowing it down to no more than model. Right. You know, even if it's not model year or specific vehicle. Yeah. Cause um, you know, we have only you know, limited time. Right. <laughs> you, know, you know, but I think that, I think that we could, if we're talking about brands, we could definitely include Duesenberg in that discussion, in that discussion. discussion for sure. But I think individual lines of cars, individual, you know, models of cars, nameplates, whatever you want to call them. I don't think it falls into that conversation the same way that some of our ones that we're going to go through the bracket with do. I'd agree. What do you think, Nick? It's interesting. Yeah, I, I, I think not, the same way. You know, I, and I think it, it all depends on perspective, too. Like, what we think is iconic, other people don't think. Like, we're probably going to go through some, and people are going to be listening. I'm like, what the hell are they talking about? Why is that on the list? Yeah, or why have you left us off? Which is why we love this kind of discussion. Yeah, if like, you, you know, send us comments, you will be featured. We will talk yeah, about it. We'll we about don't it. have that many yet. <laughs> like, <laughs> No, and we value them. It's not like, them. oh, we have to decide which ones get on and which one. Like, exactly. we'll talk about it. And we do yeah. value them, too, because, because, for example, now I kind of want to do an Iconic Brands episode. Also, kind of a takeoff on, like, of all time, do, like, a dating episode. Ooh, that'd be really Like we fun. did early in our first season. That'd be a good thing. Um, you know, do a new one of American Brands of all time. Would you swipe right or left? Well, and also now yeah. I learned about Duesenberg. I didn't know anything about it. Yeah, I knew of them. My grandpa loved them, but that's all I knew. That's kind of, and I mean, I don't even know when they went out of business, for example, but that's how buried that history got in definitely less than 100 years. 
Oh yeah, definitely less than a hundred. Um, but Jeff, thank you for reaching out and thank you for building your case. That's awesome. And thanks for listening. Um, looks like you've spurred an idea for a potential new episode at least. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't think that the Duesenberg is going to make our list today. Yeah. Not as today. a, as a model. Right. right. So that's, that's uh, yeah, the, as a mo- maybe that's as a brand only, later on. That's right. the only problem I have with it is, is, is point to a specific model and I can't. It looks like the, the type know. J is what he was pointing at. But, sure. um, yeah, but I don't think it's going to make our list. Speaking of, let's bounce into our list because we've got a lot of work to do. We've got to cut it down from 16 to 1. We can do this. <laughs> right. So, so basic rules for this. No abstaining. Everyone votes. You can make arguments, but once the vote is cast, the winner moves forward. The loser um, is burned from our memories. Oh, <laughs> that's intense. I should have probably changed the ones I'm looking at then. Otherwise, I won't know how to get home. It's the highest possible stakes. Tristan <laughs> no, no. walks outside and goes, where's my car? <laughs> Wait, what? Um, the loser will be shamed. Do, do we want to yes. list? We're going to we're going to run down the bracket, right? We've got f- four groups of four to make our 16. Mm-hmm. Um, we built most of it last week, but we'll run through it real quick. And we have to talk about the seating, which is tough. Let's start with the industry ones, the ones that none of us picked. But these are the four that we chose to complete the bracket. Yep. Do you want to go one through four or four through one? Um, let's go... Letterman style? Build up? Yep, let's do it. All right, so at number four, which would probably be the lowest seed in the entire 16... Yes. The lovable underdog, <laughs> Dodge Caravan. <laughs> that's pretty perfect. That's, right? that's a perfect order. It, well, if you're talking about importance of something, like we did the Model T or like we did the, the Beetle, like... That was the first of a huge craze for soccer moms everywhere was oh, the yeah. Dodge Caravan. So, Caravan is at four. Well, excuse me, that's that's after-school recreational activity parents. <laughs> <laughs> and without, without vans, Leave there are the no room. SUVs, remember. Exactly. Leave the, you got to remember that. Yeah. Um, got to make a bigger label. <laughs> <laughs> so, Caravan at four in the industry bracket. Third seed is the Model T. Cool. It's going to be in a Ford-on-Ford battle against the two seed, which this one might be a sleeper to go pretty deep. This is the F-150. Oh, man, that's power. That's a that's a power pick. Talk about um, that, that might be one of those trendy sleepers that people put all the way through if they were betting on this. Mm-hmm. Um, and the number one industry seed is the Mustang. Yeah. P- a pretty damn iconic that's tough. In, it, in American folklore, anyway. What's so funny about that is you hear the F-150 as a two, and you can't. It's kind of like, why would that ever be a two? But then <laughs> Mustang. Mustang. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So we'll pop into all right my bracket. Number four. And this, this I actually switched right before we went on air. I switched <laughs> my three and four because this is really tough. Um, no, because and this is so hard because it's this one of all the cars on this list might have the best story. Four seed is the Ford GT40. Sure. It's the four seed because it was just that one car and it didn't make like a huge run. There was a 30 plus year gap between when they started making it again, blah, blah, blah. But damn the story of how that thing came to be. My number three seed, the Ferrari F40. My number two seed, everybody's favorite club racer, the Mazda Miata. Mm-hmm. And at number one, the mighty Corvette. Oof. That's a that's a <laughs> very racy bracket. It's a very, well... Look who created oh, the bracket. Know, yeah. I know, I know. <laughs> Andrew, your bracket. All right, so... It can't all be Hyundais. There are no Hyundais. I know. <laughs> Even um, though you are wearing the High Life shirt. Of course, and my phone case too. Uh, all right, so, in the four, the Shelby Cobra. That's a, that's a strong four seed that's too. That's a strong four. <laughs> I had it up higher initially, but I, I there's just such a tempting 
matchup here, you'll see in the first round. So in the three, I have the GTI. Okay. Two, the Veyron. See, I think that's a t- that's going to be a tough sell at a two for me because it's just the one model. But you have to... In, in anyway, we'll of, get into that later. Right. What's next? And in the one seed, this was a last minute change that I made when I was going on Twitter and like, I'm wow. I'm literally changing we, one of mine right now. Look at this. Oh, but, son um, of a Yeah, so bitch. the... My number one seed is the Jaguar E-Type. Okay. I mean, the look of oh, the E-Type. Yeah, right? absolutely. That's all you got to say almost. Absolutely. All car people know what we're talking about. So we've got E-Type 1, Veyron 2, GTI 3, Shelby Cobra 4 in Andrew's bracket. Yep. The Tristan bracket, the Deep Thoughts bracket. Deep Thoughts TM bracket. <laughs> TM. <laughs> also TM. I'm ready. Hit me with it. Number four. Number four seed, the Subaru WRX. Okay. Don't have to write anything different there. No. Um, yeah, it's at least these middle two. The third seed, the Audi Quattro. Oh, okay. The number two seed, the Volkswagen Beetle. Very good. And El Numero Uno, Porsche 911. That is about a James May bracket if I've ever heard one. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> there were no Fiat Pandas in there. Oh, that's Except true. he hates the Beetle. He does yes. hate the Beetle. Allegedly. So the bracket is set. We've got 16 cars split up into groups of four. Do we want to go through each group of four and cut it to one? Like, just do my Um, bracket and hash it all the way out, and then the industry bracket and hash it all the way out? Or do we want to do it in rounds? Or do we want to do rounds? I vote rounds. I think rounds. Rounds? Yeah. Um, Well, because I wrote the bracket, my bracket's on top. So (laughs) (laughs) we're going to start start there. (laughs) First matchup. One seed Corvette versus four seed GT40. I feel like that's easy. I feel like Corvette's easy winner here. I I agree. Despite the story of the GT40, like there are a few things that when you say like can be non-ironically followed like by colon American icon. (laughs) And I think Corvette is one of those. (laughs) Well, also, you know what? I may I may have gone different with this last week. But re-listening to the episode, Nick made such a convincing argument about why only the original GT40 counts. That I agree. Against the history of the Corvette, it's just nothing. You can't compete with it. Yep. Unanimous. Corvette oh. then. Easy. Easy round. I thought I thought someone would have put up a better, easier fight for the GT. Re-listen to fight the episode. Yeah. So I, like the G- I like the GT40 story, but I think it, it cannot be as iconic as the Corvette. Nope. All right. So the next... The next one down the list, still in my bracket, we have the two-seed Miata up against the three-seed Ferrari F40. Ooh, man. Um, <laughs> On the count of three. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. You know what? I'm going to have to go Miata. Yeah. Yep. I was really? waiting. Yeah, I was waiting for the, the one, two, three there. Um, um, I... But I thought you were for just forcing me to choose quickly. No, no. I was going to be like, <laughs> let's all dick. say it at the same time oh. and see what happens. Um <laughs> I'll get you next time. But uh, no, I was going to go with the Miata also because I think the F40 is a fantastic poster car and I think it did some amazing things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think from the standpoint of, you know, who's had the impact. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's where, that's why I moved the Ferrari up from the four to the three is because of the narrative around the car. Yes, it was a single model, but first one to 200 miles an hour. Oof. 
um, you know, it ushered in that whole, you can do 200 miles an hour and not be on a race. Well, I mean, you would still have to, but yeah. <laughs> in theory, not have to go on a racetrack. You still have a license plate on your car, have it registered and go that fast. Mm-hmm. How many cars since then have, I mean, shit, we just posted some about a Koenigsegg going to go 300 apparently. Yeah. Like, Let's it, see it. <laughs> and the, yeah, let's see it. Let's, let's get it out on a, sure on a stretch of road. But anyway, that story and like how the origin of that whole run of cars started with the F40, that's pretty special. Definitely. The Miata just being popular in so many different circles, in club racing, in car clubs, in retired hairdressers who want a sporty car to young up-and-come race car drivers who want a cheap alternative to to hone their skills. It's a big story as well. The tangible impact of the Miata is far greater because it's continuing and it's every it's yeah. every day. Because I think although the F40 asked the question first, can we go 200 miles an hour in a car and then answered it with yes, mm-hmm. um, I think we would have gotten there eventually. Definitely. Well, Porsche was right behind. Yeah. With the 959 anyway. But I mean, it, all right. it it's regrettable to say because my personal like for that 40, but I honestly think this is an easy win. I agree. There it is. So my bracket has the Corvette and the Miata moving on to the next oh, round. That is just, that's the Nick bracket. The, the, the round of eight. <laughs> the round of eight. So that could be a bloodbath. I'll just, I'll just run through the industry bracket then. Yep. Do you want it. me to do that? Um, so industry bracket, number one, Mustang. Number four, the lovable underdog, Dodge Caravan. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, we we put the caravan in there, but for me, it's no contest. It can't be. Yeah, but when right. you name an entire car class the pony car because of the Mustang, yeah, yeah, that's there. It is that is what it is, folks. <laughs> there it is. So next on the industry bracket is the three seed Model T up against its brother within the Ford camp, the mighty Ford F one fifty. Yeesh. Oof. All right, so. <laughs> Remembering the importance of what the Model T did for mobilizing a country here. <laughs> and not, and I, I was looking at this, not just this country. Yeah. Like, the, the, you know, mine, we'll get to that later, came around and kind of revolutionized cost and availability. But, like, when the Model T and the Model A were out, you'd see, like, they were everywhere. You'd see them in Europe. They were in Australia. They were in Asia. Like, really? yeah, they were sold everywhere. And like, yes, Henry Ford's kind of primary goal was like, you know, mobilizing, you know, country farmers or whatever to, right. to do their thing. But, you know, that car was nearly ubiquitous during its run. Yeah. I mean, Model T makes a strong case here. And also we talk about its production like talk about you know assembly line production like cars existed but not on this scale but damn the f-150 is like no 40 years or more now it's been the staple of this entire category of vehicle exactly it's chevy it's, hasn't i mean chevy makes a good pickup truck they haven't been able to touch it ram is a good pickup hasn't been able like mm-hmm. f-150 is still the standard bearer it hasn't been dethroned for 40 years and Ugh. and it also almost has a modern version of the argument that you would use for the Model T. I mean, when you look at how Ford produces those, it's nothing short of deeply impressive. I mean, <laughs> the true. amount of those that they sell a day, you know, whatever it is, it's 
like one every minute or something. Sell one F one fifty every eleven seconds or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah, something faster (laughs) than a minute. I mean, it's way too slow. But um, just to be able to produce that scale here and then have some left over to send around the world, it's almost like the same thing. It's almost like a modern mobilization of the workforce and people who just want to buy a truck for whatever reason. (laughs) But every year, they do it every year. I just, I don't know. This is a tough call. This might be the toughest matchup on the bracket. I mean, we just got to vote, right? We just got to go. Well, like I said, we've got we've got time to discuss if we have a hard one. If it's like, nope, it's definitely this, then we can just move on. But I mean, that's that's my main argument for the F one fifty. All the arguments they can make about the Model T, you can definitely make them about the Ford in a modern context, in the, about the F one fifty in a modern context. Right. The question is though, had the Model T not done that? would they have eventually had the wherewithal to do the F-150? Or would Ford have not been able to? Right, but then, you know... We talk about story and impact and all that. Like, if F-150s, you know, dropped off the face of the planet, Mm -hmm. you'd probably still have pickup trucks. People would just have to buy something else. See, I don't... Yeah, that's that's true. If, 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 you know, people... I'm sure many people would be sad. but (laughs) But if the Model T never came around... If Henry Ford didn't decide to do that, what impact would that have on not just Ford, but the car industry as a whole? That's a good point. That's really unknowable. Right. Because you just don't know who was prepared to do mass production. If at all. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not for another 30 years, right? That's the thing. Does VW even get it right in that way without the Model T? Without having been shown that it, it can be done. Yeah. It's almost it's almost a question of plausibility without the Model T. Would would it even be possible? Here's the here's man, you make a really good point there. Argument against the Model T here though. When I brought up the Model T in last week's episode, describe me one. Oh, I know. Like everybody knows an F150. Does everybody know? Like they've heard the name. Mm-hmm. Can can you can they pick Model Ts out and of? And I think you know the proper space at the car museum. They're they're not quite as clear to tell as some modern cars. But honestly, if you took the badges off and you were not a car person, would you be able to tell? between, like, an F-150 and a 1500 Silverado. I, I think like, I'm more approaching it from you know, the fact that, like, it's like, it's ingrained in people's head, like, an F-150. They get an image of it. And, like, and I with think, a Model T, you get think, the image, like, the old grainy image of the assembly line right, and stuff. Saying, but with but the like, vehicle itself... And I think they do. I think... And you... I'm going to pull up something you said. Mm-hmm. Are, the, are the people who look at the F-150, are they going to know... Are the headlights... Do you know? I, I don't even know. Are the headlights vertical stacked or side stacked? Are they, like, horizontal? Are they... I'm trying to remember. You know, <laughs> yeah. Is there a stripe down the side? Does the hood have a bulge? Like, they're going to be able to look at a pickup. They're going to F-150 and say, oh, yeah, that looks like a pickup truck. And uh, But they're not going to be able to give you details of an F-150. Probably not. They're also not going to be able to give you details of a Model T. 
they're gonna they're gonna say, oh, round headlights in the front, big bicycle looking ass wheels, and there you go, <laughs> looking like, ass wheels. Like that you know, work. I live, I've been with round you too often. <laughs> um, but <laughs> just like, throwing the word ass in the middle of sentences yeah. at random um, places. Like I think that you can, you can like if you like walked up to someone and said Model T they would have a rough outline of what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Now, would they be able to tell it from a Model A like my dad? Heck no. Man. You know, you know, would that, you know, so that's not a slam on anybody, but I don't think that, you know, in, or, or especially if you go back, like take, like go back to however long the F-150 has been running and compare it to a Dodge truck of the time. If you didn't know what, if you didn't have the badges on it, I wouldn't know the difference. Definitely true. Especially when you go back. Okay. So here's here's my next litmus test for you guys. If you go up to someone on the street who has already surprised them with Model T, I just want to do that. When, when who has a somewhat casual knowledge of vehicles, mm-hmm. and you ask them, the first thing that comes to mind when when I say truck, and then. The first thing that comes to mind when I say car, are they more likely to say F-150 for a truck or Model T for a car? They're probably more likely to say F-150, but that's a, that's a time thing. Yeah. And we, we talked about that, like, you know, being time biased in one of the, the earlier ones and how we, we could have been with the um, GT40, but, it's, but that's not why we didn't pick it. You know, I think that you know, when you're looking at what's available right now, as far as cars go, there's so many available that I don't know that you'd even get a majority of one car. <laughs> you know, here's like, another question on that same on the same thing, though. If you went up to people and just said Ford, would you get more people saying F-150 or Model T? I would think F one fifty. I see. I don't necessarily know that to be true because everybody. Or knows would you the get story. Mustang? Well, I, you <laughs> right, <would> get, right. <laughs> probably Mustang. You would get Mustang, in my opinion. But that's like, not okay, so what's your number two? Yet. <laughs> but really, I, I honestly think that more people, because of the story, because of the lineage, uh, would say Model T, and I guess that's how I'm going to sum up that. That's my vote. Is Model T. Model T. <sighs> Okay. What did you say? What were you going to say? I was actually going to say Model T also. Ah, <laughs> all right, okay. He heaps at us like, oh, that was a <laughs> was tough one. He got outvoted. Well, no. <laughs> I'm just like, when it comes back around to me, I don't have to even say my vote because it's already. Yeah. Let's start with you next time. Um, well, this is your bracket now. Now, according to how I wrote this out, this is the Andrew bracket. Well, so Andrew, tee us up. This is the number one versus number four. <laughs> this matchup is so tasty. <laughs> I, this is why I did the seating this way. He wanted this conversation right here. I did. So, 1v4, we have the Jag E-Type versus the American Jag E-Type, the Shelby Cobra. <laughs> Both are definite trendsetters. Both are instantly recognizable. Both have uh, race pedigrees. Both are speed legends. Both are in, incredibly lusted after to the point where people buy knockoff kits of the look. This is so hard. This one's really, really, really tough. If there was one, I know we said we couldn't. If there was one I, that we could, I would abstain from this one. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is really tough. So here's where it starts for me. I am leaning towards the E-Type, even though this was a late ad for me. 
simply because I think all of the knockoffs, the, the, the Cobra was so rare in such limited production that all the kit cars have sort of spoiled it. It used to be, you know, one of those things where like, you know, is it real? Is it not? Now, when you see something that looks like a Cobra at a car show, you You're know like, That's it's not fake. Real. <laughs> you know it's fake. They're, they're just, anyone who has a real one, they're not driving that thing to a car show. They're saving it in a hermetically sealed box in their garage. Yep. A hundred percent agree. And, and that. With what they're doing with the Shelby. Yeah. And that's so tough because the Shelby is glorious to behold. Oh, it is. And in like, what I remember is growing up, that shape, that car was like the universal symbol for cars. For some reason, that seemed like the super 90s car, you know, it's like the, it's, the most desirable one or something. They had like a resurgence then. Right. So you're leaning E-type. Yeah, because the memory of the Shelby's been so diluted. But I, th- I think you just said it. How many years after the original run of the Shelby, there's still poster cars on kids' walls in the 90s, early 2000s. They're still... What, 40 years? Yeah. They're still in production um, runs for, like, Hot Wheels. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, all this kind of stuff. You see it more than you see the E-type. And it might be be a geographical thing. Maybe in Europe, you know, European Hot Wheels have way more E-types than Shelby's. But... I think so. uh, If I had to guess... Yeah. I think for what's still sustaining longer, more popular now, I would have to go with the Shelby. And another argument to that is you just remembered it and had to add it in. We didn't even mention it last week. I did think of it, but um, yes, it did have to be added back in when I realized that it's actually sort of negligent to do the McLaren F1 and not the E-Type. <laughs> um, I would... And Tristan, I'm the, I'm the one that you want to abstain. You have the deciding vote. Yeah, I know. <laughs> We've got e, one E-Type and one Shelby. Plus, I want to see an upset in the bracket. I don't want to just go chalk. Well, we, got, well, we got one. Never mind. Model T. So. Yeah, we, got, we got an upset. Um, I vote Shelby. I vote E-Type. <laughs> uh. <laughs> You're going to go E-Type. Just, just do it. And here's why. Ah, <laughs> Damn <yeah>. it. <laughs> I think that when you look at the when you look at the Cobra, there was a certain amount of reverence for the performance and a, a kind of cool design. Yes. What you don't see is this continued adherence to that design being so important. That, like, nobody really does make E-type kits. Because I don't think anybody would dare to. You can knock together a Cobra kit because it wasn't a very complicated design. I think getting... Because the E-type had a a body tub, not a ladder frame. Mm -hmm. And there was bodywork bolted right to the front of that tub. And I think so all this stuff that would, you know, it makes it difficult to be a kit car. And I think that... People don't try because they kind of want to leave it alone. And then you see even Jaguar themselves coming back to build like new E-types from original schematics or remaking original parts to keep them around or taking them apart and 
re-electrifying them. You know, electric well, there are, there are and companies that do... That do kind of like replicas. Or like, like yeah, kits for E-types, but they're millions. Yeah. Literally. It's like you can't put it on a bug chassis. Right. Like the Cobra kits, you can. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like the Eagle Speedster is an E-type build-off. Yeah. Like they said, we like that. We're going to make something that looks like that. And I think that I think it's eight hundred thousand something like that. The yeah. Eagle Speedster like, is crazy, yeah, expensive. right? So expensive. So then think about that for a minute. It, is it really a kit car or just another car company making a car that looks like that? You can put you a know? Shelby kit together for probably about twenty five thirty. Yeah, and and I think on top of that, there is, I think among car people, there's an appreciation for the Cobra, but I think there is a certain amount of kind of everlasting, dare we say, iconic, (laughs) cool about the E-Type. You know, and you could roll up to, you know, the Academy Awards and hop out of your E-Type and there'd be comment on that. I think if you hopped out of your Eagles, you know, you know, it was a... uh, Cobra, what was it AC Eagle Cobra, whatever it was, like the weird, like it wasn't just like the Shelby Cobra. It was that's who built it, about. but there's an AC, AC Cobra. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you, if you jump out of that, almost no one would know what it is I think outside of know. car people. I think people might know, but I definitely think that. I don't think, I think, I, I think Hollywood was a bad example because I don't know how many car people are in Hollywood. I don't think there's a big lot because know about the E type either. Or the I, Eagle think, I, I think, I think, I think because of the status of the E type, there would be. Yeah, I think you're, I think you're understating. I think that actually is. I think the place that you're less likely to get attention in E type is something like Road America. Definitely. Like you'll get people to come look at it, but more people will ooh and ah over, you know, the roar of the, you know, topless Cobra coming in versus the E-Type kind of muttering its way in with a straight six and, you know, beautiful understated British design is going to draw more eyes in, you know, quote unquote, you know, high society versus the Cobra. And I think that that kind of untouchable air of cool is what makes it more iconic. Agreed. All right. Well, I lost that one. <laughs> scratch, <laughs> scratch, scratch one off the list for me. All right. Um, so E-Type moves on over the Shelby, despite my best efforts. Um, next one, Andrew. Your two versus three. Two v three, I think, is a funny comparison to make because they're both cars <laughs> manufactured by the same conglomerate. <laughs> so in the in the two spot, we have. The Bugatti Veyron, and in the three spot, we have the GTI. Um, It seems like a silly comparison, but when we talk about defining segments, the GTI created out of essentially nothing the hot hatchback. And more than that, it certainly revitalized, if not created out of nothing, the idea that if you have cars and you like them, you may have a car that you can like and drive. Yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't have to break down and you can put your kids in the back and you can get groceries at the same time. That was the GTI offering something that didn't really exist at the time and has influenced cars ever since. No matter what you make, if you make a compact car with a nice motor and some niceties in the interior and a good shifter, 
You're making a GTI competitor, whether or not you want to, <laughs> exactly. whether or not it's even here at the time. That's what you're doing. That's going. That's what people are going to compare it to. And of course, then there's the Veyron, the the flagship of excess in the in the it's, car industry. It started that kind of supra million, you know, two hundred and twenty plus mile an hour, you know, thing. That then, yeah, you got followed by, you know, the Koenigsegg and. You know, Pagani, Pagani and, and Ferrari and a, and a, the Ferrari, the Ferrari. And Lamborghini yes. And all of these cars that are the symbols of ultimate automotive engineering and ultimate automotive luxury. So it's kind of the two sides of the coin. Not that the GTI was fighting against anything supercar like that when it was brought out, but that's basically the concept that it's fighting against. It's the customer bases mm-hmm. against one another. It's the ultra excess you know, high society, 1% versus the everyman. Yeah. And their, and their play toy. It's symbolic. It is. It's very symbolic. Uh, and so, you know, for that very reason, my vote goes to the GTI simply because it's for everyone. And what's better than that? I, I agree. I vote, I vote the GTI in an upset here. I think it's, um, it's and we talked about this in the last episode the sustainability of a brand versus you know it's the same reason the f40 didn't go through the gt40 didn't go through in my bracket it's it's a single model mm-hmm. very important in its stature and what it represents and what it's or the the um the trend that it that it started but i can go out and get a gti Oh yeah, yeah. And I, think- I can not go out and get a Veyron, <laughs> and I can have a. I can probably have just as much fun in my GTI as I can in my Veyron if I were to go get one. I would think so, honestly. Yeah, and we and I actually to- I did drive one, even though I could only do like twenty miles an hour and it was smoking. <laughs> um, it was limping at home. I had nothing to do with that. Um, I I did drive one and I <laughs> I enjoyed it. So <laughs> I think when you talk about defining a segment, okay, great. They both did, mm-hmm. <laughs> but you talk about a segment, and you can talk about a second. Yes, like, exactly. Like when you when you look at like hypercar, yeah. yeah, which is like we were struggling to list three or four. Yeah, versus you know, you've got the GTI, the Veloster N, you've got the i thirty N, same basic car, but still, you know, marketing. You've got the various Peugeot, Citroen DS. Renault makes one. Renault yep. Pagan. Honda yep. makes one. Ford. Ford makes one. Yeah. Like you've got... They're Chevy all, tried, didn't really do it. Chevy has tried. Yep. They're <laughs> all, really. And they're all fighting against each other to be the GTI killer. Yep. Opel yeah. makes one. Seat makes one. Yeah. Skoda makes one. I, I, makes skip, one. <laughs> I skip some of those because that's all within Volkswagen Group. But still. But still. Everybody yeah. wants one. And if you have one, when you when you build one, when you build your Civic Si, you're still you're still fighting against the GTI. It doesn't matter. Yep. It, you, you know, cars can have 60 more horsepower and still be compared to the GTI because it's just that's what you look to for comparison. And I think that means iconic. Mm-hmm. 100 percent. GTI upsets the mighty Veyron. I'm happy about that. I feel good about that. That makes me feel warm inside. <laughs> All right. So now we get into Tristan's bracket. The last two matchups of round one. Uh, Tristan, tee up the 1v4 matchup. All right. Us. In the first bracket, 1v4, we have the Porsche 911 and the WRX. 
Yeesh. Ooh. <laughs> I don't want the 9-11 to win so bad. <laughs> All right, then start the discussion. Su- okay. Subjective. Change, sub- change my mind. <laughs> subjectively, I don't want the 9-11 to win. But if we're being objective here, this is going to be really, really, really hard to argue against. <laughs> so hard. Here's what I'll say. <laughs> and every argument that I could ever possibly make about the WRX can also be made about the 9-11. But here's what I'm going to say. But here's my thing. Here's what I'm going to say. <laughs> when you look at a car with a unique... This this is just... This is awful. He's dying a little. I can see it. Because genuinely, here's what I want to say. I want to say the WRX should win because it's a complete unique vehicle layout that outlasted all competitors, does well in the racetracks every single year, and is a genuine pioneer. All of that is also true about the 911, even more so. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem, is that things you can say about it, you know, other than perhaps it stands kind of alone in its segment, like... Who's putting their engines in the know, rear? Well, I'm just saying, but from design standpoints, but not actual performance numbers. True. Yeah, you, know, you can actually, like... It's hard, as you discussed in your blog post, it's hard to find anything that is exactly a WRX Mm -hmm. for price and power and everything else. Yeah. You know, there are lots of things that can and do go numerically toe-to-toe with the 911, but I think that's not over... That doesn't happen for nearly any significant portion of its lifespan. True. You know, the the 911 has seen them all and outlasted every single one of them. Mm Mm-hmm. Damn it. <laughs> uh, I, here's the, my, I guess my argument against the 911 and four WRX ooh. would be. <laughs> he has one. <laughs> is that the 911 is, they just, they branched it off into so many different things. There's so many different numbers out there. There's so many different variations where the WRX, I mean, you can have the STI, but is the WRX. Well, now. Just in the past two years, they've started right. doing country-specific yeah. models for everything well, they're selling. And even before that, it was the part of the Impreza line. It was the Impreza, Ooh. Impreza WRX, Impreza, or the Impreza, Impreza Sport, Impreza WRX, Impreza WRX STI. Yep. Just keep throwing letters on Here, the end of it. Here's here's the next here's the next question or argument. How many people are in Porsche's category trying to bring it down? How many 911 killers are out there? Um, let's see. Audi makes one. I think we can, uh, can we make an argument that Ferrari makes one? Are you saying that? Maybe Lamborghini, not for, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, Acura. Yep. Um, what else here? Would you put, price point wise, would you put a Corvette in there? I think you kind of have to with the ZR1. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, do we, do we say Shelby Mustang or mm. but here's here's here, okay so so three fifty GT three fifty there you go so now here's my point what's out there competing against the WRX um, the Veloster N and the Honda Civic Type R do they really even compete though yeah I, mean, I think yeah well the, the N isn't out enough here to really know True. yet but I think. That's the shot, though. That's the shot they took. Absolutely. That's Mm -hmm. that's definitely the people who take shots at me. (laughs) (laughs) Guys in high bars. 100%. And, uh, you know, I think the next... The complicating factor is with the GTI just winning in the last bracket, 
does the WRX really have what it takes to pull that kind of upset over a car that is equally its competitor in the same way? You know what I mean? We're talking about scale, basically. Mm -hmm. And I just... I really don't want the 911 to win because I'm super bored of it, <laughs> but I don't see a way around it. I feel like I have to vote 911. Uh, yeah, I think when we look at number of cars that are out there racing and, you know, it's like right after the Miata, it's 911s. Mm-hmm. And then on top of it, you've got, you know, just whether or not you're a fan of it, a clear, striking, definitive design so much so the Porsche won't change it. Um, you know, I mean, you know, that's why I'm kind of bored of it, but it's so iconic. Porsche won't touch it. Yeah. You know, and they're one uh, of the few cars that make a Targa and, you know, loves a Targa. (laughs) (laughs) We love just a Targa. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's like the most subdued, (laughs) subdued victory ever, but yeah. This might be Duke right now. Yeah. The 911 might be Duke right now. Yeah. <laughs> like you don't want him, but you just know. <laughs> Maybe North Carolina? Oh, I love North Carolina. Oh, that's right. <laughs> He's a North Carolina fan. <laughs> Fine, it's Duke then. It's Duke. Um, okay, so the 911 moves on. Tristan, your 2-3 matchup is? The Quattro and the Beetle. Quattro 3, Beetle 2. Exactly. I, I feel like this is an easy one. I think it's Beetle. I think it's walk-off for Beetle. Yep. I agree. All right. <laughs> yep. That was, you know, we agreed on the last one, but there was a lot of discussion to be had. I think when you talk about iconic, I mean, I think a lot when you when you throw up all the comparisons that we've made for or all the requirements we've had for other vehicles so far, mm-hmm. like if you rolled a Quattro in front of somebody, I bet 90 percent of people are going to like, what the hell is that? <laughs> you know, look that way? <laughs> I mean, I know what it is because it's me. You know, and I think anybody who has an interest in Rally or Audi, you know, respectively, will know what that is. But, and it is specifically, kind of like even like we were talking about Duesenberg, it's an American icon brand for Duesenberg. It's a Rally icon. And it had, and the drivetrain had a lot of impact on where Audi went from there. But (laughs) from being everything from the, you know, car unfortunately driven by germany during a certain time period to being you know the car of the flower children to being the car you rent in cozumel that they chop the top off of it yep. to me you know, it's like this the car the beetle is everywhere oh yeah and that's why that's why i chose it plus 911 versus beetle is a hot match it is <laughs> it's it's what it's it's what it's what the fans want to see stop hitting yourself is what it is <laughs> i mean it's <laughs> um oof. yeah so beetle Beetle moves on. Yeah. We have made it through round one. We are to the round of eight. Do I want to go through the matchups or just start right away with one at a time? Let's just hit it. Let's just hit it. So the first matchup in the round of eight, back up to Nick's bracket, is the one versus the two, the Corvette versus the Miata. Mm. 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 Um. I feel like Andrew doesn't want to pick the Corvette just because he wants to poke at me. I mean, that's definitely a driving factor. <laughs> here's what here's what I don't want, actually, with the Corvette. It has nothing to do with you. I'm going to go back to what I originally, one of the questions I originally posed about specifically the Corvette last episode. When we look across the entire line of Miatas, there are some that are more up, some are more down. However, the entire line has impact. When we look at Corvette, C1, whatever. C2 was... What? I don't even I don't I don't even know. 
C3 split window. Boom. We're going. We're going like a shot. No. C2 was the split window. Oh, C2 was a C? I don't even know. Why would I know? <laughs> Why would I know? C2 is the split window. There we go. We're off. C3. What's the C3? It's the one that my dad has currently, the Stingray. Stingray. Okay. So they those two look similar. And C2, C3 look similar? Pretty close. The, the C3 has much more flared fenders. It's got that more curvature on it. You know, you already know. See, I, I don't know. I feel like there's ambiguity in Corvette that there isn't in Miata. Prove me wrong. <laughs> yeah, I think I think when you talk about Corvette, there's a lot of like, well, it, it, this one and this one, not, 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 not that one, but, but this one. And I think there's a lot of hemming and hawing about which ones are iconic. Just in the generations, before we even get to models, you know, like Z06, ZR1, which I think is all fine. I think including, you know, like the C7 as one model, I think we can say it's great, right? Even though... You and I don't Whether particularly you care, care for, the car, for it or not. It's got race wins. It's yeah. Got oh yeah. Pedigree. Hundred percent. Same for the C6. That's True. my that's my favorite personally. C6. C7. I mean, they've they've all got pedigree. The C4 was probably the worst one of them all. I would say, like the mid eighties. That was dark. That was C3 a, was not great though either. C3 Wait, was pretty good. That was that was uh, the all fiberglass one with no trunk, right? C3. C3. Or was that the C4? No, it was the C4. 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 It was C4. Yeah, where, and C4, and it was the big push for autos. Yes. yes. Okay. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. I'm just. Or more of them, I think, today. were sold with an automatic than a manual. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's the one that, yeah. Drear. Yeah. Drear. Um, man, that I think is. So, really, what we have to consider is longevity and genuinely American icon status versus I, a, a strong, continuous line of international appeal that is so integrated into motorsports. I think it's more integrated in motorsports than Corvette in the Miata. Well, I think more, yeah, more of them are raced, but that's because Corvette only races their factory team. There's no customers out there. They don't sell them in a customer basis. Right. But even in, um, the race that we went to the uh, support race at Xfinity at road America last year. Yeah. Oh, the trans am bodies. Trans am. Yeah. I mean, there's, there are other Corvettes, but it's just still, there are also Miatas. Hmm. Yeah, I think that if you go to any race weekend that has sports cars, you can guarantee yourself an on-track Miata sighting. And any race weekend at all, you're going to see mad Miatas yeah. in the parking lot. Yes. They're going to be everywhere. Now, that is racing only. Now, we we're talking about motorsport icons or not. If we're talking, about, if we're talking about auto industry icons... That's where I would pitch. I still haven't decided yet, but that's what, but, but given, <laughs> but given that, that's where I would pitch. I mean, you're basically the a tiebreaker vote. We know that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And that's where I would, that's where I would pitch the Corvette mm-hmm. is, it is something that, you know, is a, you know, staple of the American auto industry and has been for a long time. And I think even if you subtract out, all the misses yeah. that, that Corvette had, I still think they have, you know, greater longevity and more not autosport. Mm-hmm. I think I think if we were looking at motorsport in particular, I'd have to go with the Miata. But I think if we're looking at iconic cars, I think I gotta go with the Corvette. Alright. There we go. Alright. Phew. Survives. <laughs> <laughs> no, like honestly that was Everyone knows my story with GM and Corvette, but like my stomach hurts right now. Like I was thinking really, really hard on this. Like 
Miata, there's such a strong case for Miata. Like, it is, it is not a sexy, it's not like a, really a sexy thing, no. but damn. It's tough. That's it's, a hard it's, one. It's yeah, really that was, tough. That was gut-wrenching. <laughs> Literally, my stomach hurts right now. It might have been that sandwich earlier. But next one, we have the industry bracket. And this is going to another intra-Ford battle. This is the Mustang at the one seed versus the three-seed Model T. My vote's Mustang. As much as I, as much as I abhor the religious element to Mustang fandom, it's worse than Corvette, and it's not close. It's just not. Uh, yeah, bullet, bro. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yes, production, story, blah, 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 blah. Again, just like we said during the Model T thing, if you go up to someone and say Ford, they're almost oh, certainly going to say, say Mustang. Mustang. Done. Agreed? Mustang. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. Yep. All right, moving on. Oh, Mustang. God, Mustang. Again, like, like, like we can always... Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> so we can always talk about like what's important from a historical standpoint, but we're not... An icon doesn't necessarily mean that. True. You know, the best ancestor is not what we're talking about here. True story. So. All right. So, Andrew, now we're to your bracket. Mm-hmm. We have the one-seed E-type and the three-seed GTI. Crap. Crap. (laughs) So, uh, is Hollywood storied lineage enough to beat the people's fun car? I hope not. I really, I really hope not. I just, there, you know, there's that advertising push coming from VW, even at the very start, the first commercial for the GTI was the guy in the tux walking out of the casino (laughs) after losing all his money. Mm Mm-hmm. Even today, there is a bit of that. If you pull up to your corporate job, to your janitorial job, to your factory job, anywhere in the world in a GTI, no one's hating on that. You know what no, I mean? There's three or four in our parking lot on a daily basis, oh, and I'm guaranteed. And I'm <laughs> always looking back as I go past. <laughs> and and I don't know if it's out of you know insecurity or whatever, but all the WRXs are parking together now. <laughs> 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 they got to stick together. Strength in numbers, you people. <laughs> and then, just like Tristan explained, I thought he did a really good job, actually, at the end of the E-Type, the last E-Type segment. There is so much power in that and unapproachability. So yeah. which is which is truly more iconic? Is it the pedestal or is it what you see every the day? The accessibility. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I guess if we throw it all the way back to your... Like, where did the word icon come from? Mm-hmm. It's some dude up on a cross. I mean... That's true. In the truest sense of the word, it has to be E-type. But I want to vote for the GTI so bad. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> so bad. Well, I mean, so the one... Let, let's remember the one thing that we said is going to win. The, this is the, the defining factor in this is the narrative. It's the story. I mean, these are only going to get tougher as we go. So th- this is what we always have to come back <laughs> this is to. What we compare. sign up for, <laughs> and it's like the objective here is what we found was the narrative is the piece that sells us. So narrative on an E type versus narrative on a GTI. So narrative of the E type, testing it on the empty motorways of Britain at night because it was so fast and they couldn't do it at any other time. Mm-hmm. Uh, narrative of the GTI, um, well, everything about it's iconic. The pattern on the seats, the golf ball shape of the shifter. 
um, all of that stuff has continued today and and imitated. Founding and, a category from nothing, mm-hmm. <laughs> as if from thin air. And again, it's it's just like the last one. It's for some reason it's almost the exact same matchup. The the car that's so powerful in terms of its wealth association versus the GTI. I mean, really, before the Veyron, is it fair to say that the E-Type had that status in some ways? Yes, turned down a little bit, Mm -hmm. but yes. Because, you know, obviously (sighs) 250 wasn't possible. But, ah, man. Ah. So I'm, I'm torn. I feel like the GTI obviously has the... You know, the E-Type is there in memory and in, um, you know, the one that you might see rolling across an auction block. Mm-hmm. So it's it's there kind of superficially. The G, the GTI is tangible, so the staying power is there. Mm-hmm. I think the narrative is there. Definitely. But when I... <laughs> damn it. Yeah. The see? iconic... Sta- like, the, if you look at the word, I, like, the pedestal that you have to hold it up on. Oh, I told you. Oh, Although I think we talk about, yeah, first. <laughs> E-type, GTI. Oh, you! <laughs> <laughs> it's your bracket. <laughs> do you even believe that pick, or do you just want to throw that? I back do. In? I uh, do. Okay. Yeah, I think because well, we talk about the icon being a perfect exemplar of a class, and I think the GTI is that. I do too. I feel so. I, yeah, I'm just gonna go GTI. <laughs> it okay. feels a little disingenuous. Honestly, I'm I'm disappointed that I'm not agreeing with you guys as much. <laughs> yeah. That I'm losing out on these, but I'm happy to see the GTA win. I'm not that mad at this. You're not all torn up about the E type too much. <laughs> yeah. Lastly, Tristan, for this round we have your bracket. The oh man, the 911 the versus and the, the Beetle. other Beetle. <laughs> wow. Wow! 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 So. I mean, there, you know, that is the running gag about the 911, as if it's supposed to somehow be insulting. Maybe it's because people who own Porsches are insulted by the fact that they might be associated with the Beetle, but they do share a common ancestor. Yes. Absolutely. So which is more powerful? I mean, that's kind of that's kind of rat now. Like the Beetle in its mobilization of literally the entire world, or the 911, which has the, you know, the iconic race history and the that might be the first thing that comes to mind when you when you come up to someone and say sports car 911 might be I definitely think might so. be the first thing that you think of so much silence so much well, long pauses I, on this episode we have to I just think. want to say that don't worry modern podcast players skip that now Oh really? Yeah, you have the option to like trim silence. Oh nice. <laughs> so that's what we can just sit here as long as we want. Um <laughs> I just want to say I want to get ahead of any any possible arguments that I'm being unfair to the 911. Uh, I'm, I'm not looking at it as, you know, the Beetle being the progenitor versus its son in the 911. I definitely see them as two distinct cars, though they do share a common ancestor. What does that really matter? But I do still think that it is the Beetle simply because of the pure international impact. When you, I mean, I saw them in Cuba. You know, you see like no cars in Cuba. From after like... Like, there's after a certain time. Yeah, they have Beatles, you know. and they have Ladas, and they have oh, some God. Chinese cars, and they have those old American cars that they show in all the tourist ads in America because Americans are cowards about Soviet imagery. But, I mean, really, 
There's Beatles and there's Russian cars. That's the majority. Yep. Ah, man. I mean, if you throw international appeal out there, the 911 is got a ton of international appeal That's also. That's also true. <laughs> like, that, that, that made its way around the world real quick. Oh, yeah. Um, oh. Man, the importance of the Beatle, though. Just That's really hard to overcome. Oh, it just... How would... Okay, so let's spin it this way. How would car culture be different if there was no Beetle versus if there was no 9-11? What... I think that it's fair to say that at some point, absent the Beetle, some company would have come up with a way to produce a car very that filled that shape. You know what I mean? But the fact that it was something so far different than what a mainstream car ended up being with the rear engine, with the air cooled. You know what I mean? Like that car succeeded despite it, despite itself. <laughs> it did. And with a, with a notorious breakdown history, everybody still bought them. Everyone in the whole world still bought them. And they kept them running with shoestrings and like bits of can. Yep. Even here in America, even when they were new, like <laughs> despite itself, that car is still popular. I mean, people still seek them out and buy them. Lust after them, yeah. even. I want one. It's kind of <laughs> diseased. <laughs> but that's the absolute truth. That's my vote, for sure. Mm. <laughs> it's my bracket. I'm ready to take the tiebreaker. He's ready to do it. You know, so whenever... on the sword. You know, I'll let it's him go first. It's even necessary. This is so hard. This one is so hard. If you have a vote, Tristan, just go for it then. <laughs> vote, just vote. I got to think. And maybe I won't have to think. If you, if you know, if you're ready. I, I do know. Go for it. It's the Beatle. Did we save you from yourself? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't like confrontation. Confrontation. <laughs> um, all right. Wow. So we've got... Two American muscle cars mm-hmm. and two sprightly little German cars. Two sprightly Volkswagens. <laughs> two, yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, so we've got, ooh, I can't say what the basketball tournament calls it because that's trademarked, but we're down to our last four. Remaining quadrants. <laughs> <laughs> In one side, we have the Corvette and the Mustang, and the other side is the GTI and the Beetle. Yikes. So, where are we after time, just out of curiosity? 1.15. We got to hustle, but... <laughs> well, well, I was going to say, we could we could even episode break it. We could really annoy people <laughs> and episode break this and release it later in the week with the final two. <laughs> or we could be merciful. I'm feeling like a merciful god today. Fine. Yeah, let's, let's, let's roll through this. So, final... Um, oh, sorry. Last four. Oh, you got so close. <laughs> Matchup number one. Corvette, Mustang, All-America. Yeesh. Is there... American muscle. Is there a proper Corvette counter-argument to the Mustang-Pony car relationship? The fact that the Mustang was created to compete with the Corvette. Okay. So the the Mustang was built to compete with the Corvette and then stole the segment name. <laughs> that is true. And 
Well, actually, is it pony car because of Mustang or is it pony car because of horsepower? I actually don't know. I believe it's because of the Mustang. I have no idea. I just I, I don't I don't know where this and that's a question like and I'm also trying to save myself here because well, that's a really good argument. But well, here's the other thing was was it because remember the Camaro came out as the competitor to the Mustang, not the Corvette necessarily. I don't think this. Yes. <laughs> yes. It, it was. Uh, Created because of the Mustang. And other things, however, when you look at the rest but of But do the they call other cars in that category pony cars, or is that just a slang term for a Mustang? Yes. No, Corvette. Uh, yes. Not Corvette. It was Camaros are definitely called pony cars. Uh, I think they're muscle cars. When you're looking at the Mustang, it's the Mustang. It's The big thing is compact. So I definitely have heard the Camaro in that discussion. I guess wrong. as it the it's it's in the second portion where it says the segment expands. Oh. And, and initially, it was the Mustang, the Plymouth Barracuda. Um, it went on sale two weeks before the Mustang, <laughs> and the Mustang still took the name. Yeah. Um, basically, it's criticized for having insufficient things from the Valiant. So. The Valiant could also be thrown in there, too. Sure. But then, Segment expands to include the Chevy Camaro and the AMC Javelin. Ah. Ah. Okay. That's that's actually a nice little uh, round category there. <laughs> Dodge Challenger. The old one, not the new one, right? Yes. Yeah. So, I'm just looking at what else is in here. Uh, Javelin, Mustang, Challenger. Um, basically, things that were initially released with small blocks. Right, and that's all kind of window dressing. So, yes, even if we take as read that the Mustang was launched to fight the Camaro, it then zigged or perhaps zagged in such a way that Chevy had to respond to the way it moved. Yeah, they had to come up with something that wasn't the Corvette to fight that segment. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, we already know, the bummer is, I think we already know what Nick's vote is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying, besides just my deeply ingrained passion for the brand, I'm trying to come up with a better argument. I'm trying to be, I, I really am trying to be as objective as possible on this. Like, is, I mean, when you look at cultural impact in terms of car culture and just American culture, I think we definitely know that the Mustang comes out ahead in terms of fanaticism. Like the way people treat that car, it just in movies and when it comes to all that, all that stuff I posted about. Do you see, do you see, I don't remember seeing like going to racetracks, a Mustang Corral. There's Corvette Corrals everywhere. That's true. I think there may have been one at Watkins. Maybe, maybe. But, um, is that a... Is that not more a question of socioeconomic standing? In, is that not more an indictment of the fact that people with money tend to buy the Corvette, whereas people who just want a rear-wheel drive powerful car buy a Mustang? And I'm only asking that because when you look at the other Corrals, it's Audi and it's Porsche. and There's maybe, a BMW. And there's BMW and maybe Mazda does a little trailer inside the infield. Mazda does one. I think Mini has done one, um, depending on where we but go. Con- but consistently. Mid-Ohio had a Mustang one. Sorry, now that I'm now that I'm thinking, they're <laughs> yep, they're there. They are Cons- there. consistently year after year, though. You've got Corvette, Porsche, BMW, and even Audi's not every year, right? Especially when they're not racing their prototypes. So, plus, even if it is an indication of socioeconomic uh, 
sales appeal. I have no idea what that means in terms of the impact of the the iconic nature of the car or not. Well, uh, you would you would just mention that the the fanaticism for the Mustang being greater than the Corvette. I think if if we're talking about being a fanatic, showing it publicly would be one of the criteria. And it seems like Corvette people do that more. What? No. I mean, think about that. Think about all of the jokes about people crashing their Mustangs, showing off, going out of cars and coffee. Okay. I'm just saying people not, not only do people want to show their Mustang at cars and coffee, they want to show off afterwards cars and coffee to the degree that they're killing bystanders, (laughs) 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 which is actually horrible to laugh about, but still. Yeah. Um, I, Mm. I I think that I have to vote for the Mustang simply because I feel that the reach for the Corvette is somewhat limited when you compare it to the obvious reach of the Mustang. I mean, yeah, and I I agree with that because you look at like even in the middle of winter, people whose daily is a Mustang, even yeah. if it's even if it's the EcoBoost four cylinder, the EcoBoost six cylinder. It's not maybe the big five zero. They're mostly the Fox yeah. bodies and like the nineties Mustangs that you see driving around. So the winter. Even even the newer, like the the first revision of like the new style Mustang, yeah, where there's a little bit more, a little bit more upright. Um, you know, those are so you see them all year, all the time. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Corvettes are kind of reserved to be, you know, good weather weekend cars. They're, they're not daily fives driving around as as dailies. And those yeah. are, I think, getting pretty cheap now. I think you can get those pretty, yeah, pretty good price for one of those. Yeah. So, I mean, I think when you talk about strictly, it's the same argument we have every time. I think we're talking about strictly impact versus untouchable icon status. And even though there is a, you know, more touchable element to the Corvette's, Versus an E-Type or a Veyron. Oh, definitely. Right. Definitely. I mean, people get those all the time. I really do think that the Mustang has a broader reach, even across oceans. Yeah. Yeah, I think... I mean, I saw one Corvette in Japan that was hidden, tucked away in a garage. Wow, they fit that down those narrow streets. Yeah, (laughs) and I saw four Mustangs in a parking lot parked next to each other and it wasn't a dealer. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I think, I don't know. I've, I've, this is, this is the hardest one for me so far. This honestly. Um, they, they each have exactly matching arguments and, uh, you know, because you can't, you can say that the Mustang name sort of supersedes the Ford brand in a lot of ways. And I think Corvette does exactly the same thing. You think yeah, of think it, it even should be as its a own Corvette, brand. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Instead of a Chevy Corvette. Mm-hmm. And yeah, even though you get the bow tie on like the on the stands or above the windshield, they do have their own logo. They, on the hood. Yeah, they yeah. do all their own they do all their own stuff. And even the Mustang has that the red, white, and blue three stripe with the pony. They do the same things. Yeah. For the everyman appeal, Mustang. Yeah, I think the Mustang takes what the Corvette tried to do and is still doing it versus being, I think, priced out for a lot of people. So mm-hmm. I think trying to be that affordable American muscle, you know, I think the Mustang does it better at this point. Agreed. 
I think, and I think it's more consistent across its run with some minor exceptions, much like <laughs> much like the C4. We don't talk about the Mustang too. Um, you know, <laughs> things like that. You know, so there are some some dead years, but I think that's true for both of them. Cuts me deep, guys. Yeah, we know. <laughs> You'll never recover. See, he doesn't care though. I do care. I, I, I feel bad, but I, I still had to put my vote down. I I need new co-hosts, <laughs> or we need a fourth like, one to that. We can at least get a tie. If you would like to work on the Check Andrew podcast, podcast. <laughs> instead of email. Andrew and Tristan, I'm better than Andrew and Tristan. Send an email to I can vote better than Andrew and Tristan <laughs> at CheckEndrewPodcast.com. So reluctantly, the Mustang moves to the finals. I do not want that to win. Well, Excellent. you have that you have that choice. You have that choice because the next semifinal is the GTI versus the Beetle. I don't want the Beetle to win either. But there's just no there's just no comparison. Really, when it comes to mobilization, when it comes to the I feel like you take a picture of a GTI and show it to someone who's not an American, someone who lives in a third world or developing nation, they're going to know the Beetle. They may even know the Mustang. They're not going to know the GTI. They might n- mistake it for a Golf. Well, yeah, yeah, fair enough. Man. <laughs> honestly, honestly, is there any argument in this matchup for the GTI? Is there any at all? I don't think in this matchup, no. Well, if we so go back to the narrative. Doesn't yeah. Doesn't matter. Yeah, that's what, what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, if that's, yeah. if that's what we're arguing. Damn. By, by any notion, even the ones that we don't want to talk about, like, oh, well, where would Volkswagen be without the Beetle? Would they have even been able to make... We don't even want to talk about that, but you can still include that, and it matters. Yeah. There'd probably be no GTI if it wasn't for the Beetle. <laughs> yeah. God. All right. Beetle wins. Uh, All right. Let's get out of here. Beetle Mustang. Ugh. Black. <laughs> I, I, got, I got to say, that's not a final I saw coming. No. <laughs> I thought I'd be able to talk myself out of one of the two. <laughs> Not quite a Cinderella story, but a <laughs> bunch of busted brackets. <laughs> yeah. So the finals. So the wait. most iconic car of all time. Will it be the Mustang or the Mustang, the one seed out of the industry bracket? There we go. Or the Beetle, a two seed out of Tristan's bracket. Tristan, by the way, congratulations for having the last car standing out of the three of us. That's right. <laughs> We're both losers. Um, <laughs> More James May references. <laughs> Man. <laughs> um, it's kind of a bummer final. Then, it is. Yeah. This is uh, like Patriots-Falcons. Yeah. I don't want to see that. <laughs> that right. actually turned out to be a good game. Yeah, it was though. a good game. Um, Whatever this last one was, though. patriots Ram. Anyway. I don't want to see that one either. That's we're already running this. long. Let's get off of football and let's narrow this thing down. Ooh, boy. Where to begin? Uh, obviously, we've made so many arguments for each of these throughout the course of the bracket already. So, well, okay. So we know the narratives of each one. We know the story behind each one. We know the impact of each one. Stack them head to head. Better narrative, Mustang or Beetle. Better story, Mustang or Beetle. More iconic. Better impact, Mustang or Beetle. Which is the true automotive icon? Internationally, if we consider the whole world. I think there's one very clear answer of the Beetle. When we come back to the U.S., I really do think that it's so powerful. The narrative behind the Mustang is so powerful. I think that is the more iconic car in this country. And I think there are periods, periods and locations that the Beetle even supersedes that. Definitely. But not for as long. Mm-mm. 
and and not over you know over its history. They still make the Beetle. Well, they've just stopped, but yeah. you know, they still make the Beetle too, and that changed. And you know what? We never even we never even considered the new Beetle up until now. We just never did, right? Because we didn't have to. Mm-mm. Does that change anything about the Beetle? The fact that the new one. Almost, I mean, when that came out, we were in grade school, right? When the when the new Beetle came out, mm-hmm. that was also a poster car. That was also yeah. like a like a resurgence of maybe not would, even the entire VW brand, but I would almost say the VW brand. Really? Yeah, because I, mean, I think that was the time when the GTIs were at their humblest, mm-hmm. and the Jettas were kind of eh, and all, all the cars that people were looking to Volkswagen for were in their 90s early 2000s slump and right. then the beetle comes blowing in with colored wheels and a bud vase <laughs> <laughs> yeah and uh you know the bright yellow and the orange green blue and, oh yeah my sister had the bright yellow one that's right it was the most cheerful car <laughs> my cousin has a bright yellow one just daily Get them in touch with my sister. <laughs> she just wants she wants that car. Back. She just wants to see it one more time. Oh God! I can so have him take a picture of it. Right? <laughs> that was really depressing. <laughs> Sorry, I ruined it. Um, um, shit. So Beetle got this far without us ever considering an entire generation of its of its. It was, it was honestly, it was kind of a cakewalk for the Beetle to get this it far. Really was. <laughs> I think it's met its first real challenger in the Mustang, but. I'm gonna. I'm voting Beetle right now. Ah. man, that would be a depressing winner. <laughs> Nick, I know. I, I know <laughs> my vote. I want to be the tiebreak if there is one, if needed. I'm gonna vote Beetle too. So no need for the tiebreaker. No need for the tiebreaker. It would have been unanimous. I say I, I, I am gonna call though, Nick. <laughs> a full sweep. It would. Wow. It is, it is kind of a bummer, but when you think about it, the justification, it fits. Absolutely. Yeah. It I think, fits. Yeah. It made it, it made it up against pretty much every Challenger without ever talking about the entire line of the car, plus the fact that <laughs> you still see them now. I mean, while it may be more underground or understated, the fanatical devotion to that car, I mean, you know, we talk about it mobilizing. Another thing we never talked about in this whole bracket, it created the dune buggy. Yeah, that just, also too. Just holy. Yep. That's and then that's dirt racing <laughs> and, and that's Baja's and that's its own thing. We talked about it in relation to the Cobra. <laughs> oh my god, that's right. All those did. Cobra kit co- the things that made the Cobra able to be iconic were Volkswagen Beetles. That's yes, of course. Of course. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> oh. And by the way, folks, we did not have this predetermined. Like nope. we voted on this live, so yeah, so apologies to the content. Yeah. <laughs> um, or if you're disappointed in the result. Hey, it. give us other... Uh, get, that, that's where you guys come in. Give us other arguments. Get, what did we miss? What did we... I mean, it's not going to change our vote, but let's hear the... Let's get the discussion going. Start it with one another. Start it with us on our socials, on the website. Email us. Do whatever you got to to um, make a case for one of the cars that we dropped off the bracket here. Mm-hmm. Maybe do we seed them wrong? Oh, hey, there that you go. That could be another that could be another argument like, hey, if you would have put the Beetle up against this one, it would have never made it out of the second round. Like, you know, that might be something too. So let us know what you think. Um, but Volkswagen Beetle The most Check Engine Podcast, podcast most, most iconic, iconic car, car ever. Of all time. Not sexy one bit. Nah. Not even a little. <laughs> nope. <But> happy. 
but happy, but very content. Yes. Uh, and with that, it's time to wrap up, guys. Who or what are we thanking? Um, I mean, we. I feel like I do this a lot, but I'm still going to thank the listeners. I mean, to hear from to hear from someone who passionately is involved with what we do enough to write an email or a Facebook message, whatever it was, um, that really means a lot. That's really important. Even if we disagree with you. <laughs> Which that is fine. Happen. That's yeah. that's why we have this podcast is we, if we all just agreed about something all the time, we'd have 20 minutes of going, yep, 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 then we'd be done. Yeah. It's all about the discussion, the dissent, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, thanks to the fans, the listeners. Justin? I would like to thank Volkswagen Group and its, and its, you know, relatives and children and cousins. Because looking at this list, how many of them are on there, you know, it's, it's pretty good. <laughs> them, but Ford crushed it. Ford did also. We've got, we've also got one, two, anymore. three. We've got Model T, F-150, Mustang, GT40. And we've got 911 Beetle GTI Veyron. Four and so four. four, four, and four. So half of this list was either Volkswagen or Ford. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, I mean, when you talk about car companies, almost like sadly Ford has gone astray. When it's like, like a hack out of the BI. Like literally, it's like Ford is the American car company for a lot of people. That's what you talk about in history books mm-hmm. in class. And Volkswagen literally means the people's car. Yep. Like it's it's you know it's they are two of the you know most storied manufacturers. It's not a surprise that eight of the cars on this list are from those two manufacturers. Yeah. So Very thank true. you Volkswagen and thank you Ford. Unless you were going to do that, I wasn't. <laughs> I was going to go a little bit lighter than you know. You guys go really deep on these sometimes. I want to thank pens and ink because <laughs> without that, I would have never been able to remember what all advanced. So the fact that I was able to... You could use pencil. Blood. Or yeah. blood. <laughs> or I had a pen in my hand at the time. Water? Yeah. It's ineffective. Get off me. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to pens for allowing me to keep track of what's going on and help me determine a winner here in real time. Thank you also, as Andrew already mentioned, to all the listeners. We are one year in with almost 150 average listens already. Um, over 6,000 total. We cannot do it without you. Even if we suck, you guys are awesome, and we cannot wait to talk to you again. Take care. Bye.